Welcome to the Dairy Brothers Guardians cast, your best podcast spot for all things Cleveland Guardians baseball. Presented by WaitingForNextYear.com. Follow Matt on Twitter at Dairy Speaks and Todd at TD Guardians KU. The Dairy Brothers Guardians cast is on the air. Folks, if you check the standings and look at the playoffs and the wild card, you will see that the Cleveland Guardians are right there. It is another edition of the podcast. Matt and Todd with you. Welcome in on WaitingForNextYear.com and the Evergreen Podcast Network, brought to you by our friends at the Center for Advanced Dentistry and also Breaking Tea t-shirts at BreakingTea.com slash Dairy Mike Hattery. The snarky one will join us from EveryoneHatesCleveland.com. Knows the Guardians inside and out. He's going to be our guest today. But, uh, Todd, 10-3 and in the last 13. We talked about how they had to beat up on the bad teams. And uh, you were there yesterday for a nice win. And here they sit, heading on the road to Colorado and L.A. to play the Dodgers as the last wild card and playing good baseball again. If we could only play Oakland every week, (laughs) we'd be a World Series champ. (laughs) This type of thing happens to me every week. That's right. This, uh, that team... That team's terrible. There's no two ways around it. That's one of the worst lineups you'll ever see. I I don't know what that organization is doing. It seems like a little uh, Major League Rachel Phelps situation that they're they're trying to get out of Oakland by and, and get their way to Las Vegas by doing what they're doing. I I, I don't get it. But they hit a lot. They hit a lot of home. They hit a lot of home runs. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I was discussing this with with uh, the executive producer at the game yesterday. Like. We the, the Guardians are not like a home run hitting team, especially with Framiel out. We have been thriving on clutch hitting and extra base hits and all that. And all Oakland did was hit bombs all week. <laughs> that that Bethancourt, he you know who he reminded me of? Jermaine Die. I don't know why. It's the same swing every time he's and he killed us yeah. all weekend. Remember he, was, he, he, he he like he he was like a hot prospect and then couldn't hit and became a pitcher yeah. for a couple of years. Yeah. And then came, went back to Oakland and and is hitting. And I mean, Seth Brown, that guy pulverizes the ball. Killed, yeah, he killed us. Oh God. Well, we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But but yeah, the, the the point is, Oakland's terrible, and you had no business doing anything but minimum taking three or four. And truthfully, they were uh, one pitch away from probably sweeping that series. So, you know. You, you can only play the teams that are on your schedule, and I will make no apologies for the fact that, uh, you know, they, they beat up on Oakland. And you know what? We said this stretch was so important because they were playing all these bad teams, and they just rattled off 10 of 13. So that's that's the best you can, you know, that's that's about as good as you can ask for. Well, I mean, you're talking about four straight series wins. Um, one of, you know, yes, it's Kansas City, Baltimore, Texas, and Oakland. And now Colorado is another last place team before they play the Dodgers next weekend. But you got to win the games, like you said, against the bad teams. They've done that. The offense continues to just keep the line moving. It's different guys every night. The pitching's been really, you know, pretty good. The defense, yeah, uh, on Saturday with the Naylor error really let Eli Morgan down, but you're going to have a clunker or two. It's 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 all about winning series, and you see how Tito's kind of managing this team when when there's the opportunity there to win that series, whether it's that last Texas game, whether it's the Sunday Baltimore game. Yesterday, um, you know, there's a sense of urgency. You see guys taking the extra base, and uh, yeah, I mean Friday night, the, the you know Blackburn just destroys us for eight innings. And then the ninth inning, the guys just 
battle. It's the as I tweeted, it's the youngest team in the league, but it's the grittiest team in the league. I mean, what a win Friday night! First, first of all, it was, inc- it was incredible considering the fact that they had absolutely nothing going. <laughs> they looked, they looked dead in the water, no energy, and and that comeback was just amazing. Also amazing is how clueless Mark Kotze and his sidekick, the great young genius Brad Osmus was. Uh, 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 Brad Osmus. Oh, the whole weekend. the whole weekend. What what were they doing? What, when Jose Ramirez is the hottest bat on the planet. I mean, let's go to yesterday. I know he hit the home run, and it was a they were down two zero, so a solo homer wasn't gonna wasn't gonna beat you. And you obviously don't want to have the tying run come to the plate. I, I understand that you had to pitch to him Friday. But first inning yesterday, second and third, no one out. Why would you possibly give him anything to hit? Ever. <laughs> ever. It's the dumbest thing ever. And, of course, he, you know, hits a double and clears bases. <laughs> he's just a – he's just – I know we talk about this every week, but I, I, I'm running out of ways to describe it. I mean, he's – you know, I know Mike Trout's the best player in baseball, but you know, no, no, he's not, not anymore. I don't think so, not anymore. Jose, Jose, I think Jose is the best player in baseball. I think I really no, I, that's what I was going to say. Around? I mean, I mean, I know, I know, but Buster only tweeted this this week, kind of a who should be AL MVP right now, and he did like a oh, poll, yeah, judge. right? Yeah, and, and Judge got <sighs> Judge got like seventy seven percent, and Jose got twenty percent. <laughs> It's like okay, that's fine. I mean, no, no one knows who Jose Ramirez is, and unfortunately, right. there's the language barrier and other things that, and he's playing in Cleveland. And yeah, Judge has been awesome, and the Yankees are really good, really good. But, but, but yes, best all around player, best player in the game right now is Jose Ramirez. It is. Who's he's running the ba- he's running the bases like a freaking madman. He's. I feel like every time I look up, he's stealing a bag. He he defensively is as good as you're going to find at third base. I mean, he's no Nolan Arenado, but no one is. I mean, he is rock solid defensively. And the difference between Aaron Judge and Jose Ramirez is this: Aaron Judge is surrounded by Anthony Rizzo and Josh Donaldson and Giancarlo Stanton. Jose Ramirez knows he's going to get maybe two pitches a game to hit because nobody respects anyone else in the lineup and whoever's behind him. And yet he's still doing it. So I, you know. Again, I'm not saying Judge. You know, Judge is a great player, no doubt, but Jose is just. And uh, you know, I, I would put I would put Vladimir Guerrero up there. I mean, I think that he you could make the argument for him too being the best player in baseball. He just, you know, he does everything. I mean, he doesn't run like Jose does. He doesn't run or defend like Jose. No, does. but he's become a pretty darn good first baseman, and he just hits with such unbelievable power. And like his father, bad ball hitter, like balls out of the zone, and he. Lines it to right. He hits it to all fields. He's it's hard it's hard to argue against him too. And he's on a winning team. So, but but so is Jose. I mean, you know, here are the Guardians above five hundred. And 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 look, I don't know what's going to happen this week in Colorado. I mean, you know, it could be the Bud Black could be the Bud Black revenge tour against his former team. I don't know. Do you remember that by the way? That in two- he, when he was on the when he was on the. the- Indians? Yeah, of course. Well, no, no, no. Do you remember when he he got slighted and shafted for the uh, pitching coach job? What was that like? Charlie Uh, Manuel, two thousand. Remember, everybody thought Bud Black was going to be the pitching coach, and uh, Charlie Manuel went with his buddy Dick Pole. 
Uh, what about pitching coach Rigadier? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, and so, buddy, really so Bud Black went to the Angels about. after that. You know, he's he's been the manager of the Rockies for six years. To be honest, if you would have said to me before you mentioned that Bud Black was the manager, who's the manager of the Rockies? I don't know if I would have answered Bud Black. <laughs> I, wasn't he there before? Or he no, was, he was a San, San Diego before. San Diego. Okay, I knew he was. I knew there was something there. I let's break. Let's break down C.J. Crone. Uh, he's having a great year. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He's not. Uh, he's not doing too bad. All right, you were there yesterday for Cal Quantrill, and I know on the show sheet here you said you wanted to uh, give him some dap. So please do. Yeah, I, listen. You, there's no bigger fan of Cal uh, than you. I know that. That's been your boy for a long time. I just I got to give him a ton of credit. You know, I didn't know this until after I got in the car yesterday and was listening to the post game show. D- did you know that he was like throwing up in in the in the uh, uh, bullpen when he was warming up and he was yesterday? To- to- yeah. Oh yeah. no, I didn't hear. I didn't see T- that. Yeah, Tito said after the game. I was listening to the post game show and Tito said after the game at, at like eleven o'clock. The, you know, the bullpen coach called in and said, hey, we, we may have a problem here. Cal's, like, really sick. He's vomiting and, you know, couldn't couldn't keep anything down. And and uh, they were a little concerned for a few minutes. And Cal's like, no, I'll figure it out. I'll gut it out. And so he would – I guess Tito, Tito said this in the post game. He said, we were looking up and said we could only really have about seven innings worth of bullpen that we can go with today. So – you know, when Cal said he could gut it out, we were we, we were hopeful. But you know, he went six innings and gave up one run after that, and only threw ninety pitches. He was he was terrific. This is his ninth straight start of six innings or more, which that's all you can ask for. Exactly, that kind of consistency. exactly. And he's and he is. You know, I was talking to Ags on the way down, and he he's just such like Ag, Ags described. Him. He's got that Oral Hershiser bulldog uh, in him. You know what I mean? I could totally see Brian. I could totally see Brian saying that. Yeah, yeah, he's just—he's got that bulldog in him. He's—he's just—he's tough. He shows that emotion. He's—I love him. I mean, the guy's—the guy's money. I I just think that we don't talk enough about how. I I looked up. This is funny. Yesterday during the game, Cal was pitching. I I said to Brooke. I, I turned to Brooke and I said, "She asked me who I can't remember who it was. She's like, oh, how did we get so and so?'" And then we were going over how everybody was acquired. It was when Cal was pitching. And I looked up. I said, do you want to see something weird, Brooke? I was like, Quantrill, your starting pitcher. Austin Hedges, your starting catcher. Josh Naylor, your starting first baseman. And Owen Miller, your starting second baseman. All these guys on the field that you're looking at. They all came from one trade. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. How he, that, that and Clevenger went back on the, you know, just got COVID. He's back on the injured list again. I mean, Right now, if you'd said to the Padres, would you like Clevenger or Cal Quantrill straight up? We'd say no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's one piece. I mean, it just goes to show, hey, look, we, we get on the front office for a lot of things and the ownership for a lot of things, but you have to be fair. The job that they've done and are doing, and now to look up and go, all right, Oscar Gonzalez is playing every day and thriving. And I know it's early. It's a very small sample size. Stephen Kwan, we've ripped this front office for saying, where are the outfielders? We don't have any. Now all of a sudden you look up and you're like, OG, Kwan, Will Brennan's tearing it up at AAA. Other guys are coming like George Valera. And you go, wait a minute. 
Miles Straw is here for the duration, the long haul. He's as good a center fielder as there is defensively in the game. Hopefully his offense will come. But and you go, wow! All of a sudden we might have something here. We, you know, Richie yeah. Palacios is a is a ball player. Say, don't forget Richie. Yeah, absolutely. He'll probably have to go back down to the minors when Franmo comes back. It's it's insane when you think about it because last year it was Zimmer and Mercado and and washed up Eddie Rosario at the time and um, you know the rest of the garbage they they were they were putting out their retreads I, I and, and I tweeted this and you and I have talked about it and it's just so refreshing to watch guys look playing for their jobs not like you if you're an Oakland fan. You know, they're, they're out there with 38-year-old Jed Lowry, Matt Chat, retread Matt Chapman, retread Steven. Matt, Dave, Matt Gore, Davidson, yeah. Matt, what, who, what did I say? Chapman. Sorry. Oh, Matt Davidson is what I meant. Yeah. yeah. Hey, who, who, who wants to watch that garbage, you know? <laughs> and now we're, we have watched, we've been waiting for all these years for all these guys to develop. Now they're on the come. You know who else we haven't mentioned? Nolan Jones, who just was activated and is playing right field down in Columbus, and he's been hitting the ball since he's come up. I mean, he'll be he'll be traded. Well, some, there's too many guys. Someone's yeah. going to have to go, and we'll talk to Mike Henry about that because there's just between the AAA outfielders, you know what you have up here. Uh, there's there's just there's a log jam now. All of a sudden, there's a log jam up the middle, and there's a log jam in the outfield. Fine by fine by me. Fine by me. Yeah, it's better have it this way than watching. You know. Hey, we got Domingo Santana. Oh, <laughs> you know, like come on, Hanley Ramirez. We go on and on. Um, yeah. uh, Mike Hattery from EveryoneHatesCleveland.com is going to join us momentarily. We'll get pitching matchups and all that at the end of the show as well. Matt and Todd with you right here on the Evergreen Podcast Network. Let me ask you a question real quick because I was on, I was at the game, so I didn't see. I had heard that the. Peacock broadcast was actually pretty good. What, what I didn't. You, you got to remember, I, I was running around yesterday. Oh, yeah. I had it. You say, uh, well, uh, I, I got the the. I had to put the app on my phone and got some good help. Thank you. Uh, so I could kind of <laughs> see some welcome. of it as I was driving, walking, doing whatever I was doing. Um, but I was not. I didn't hear a ton of Jason Benetti. But I mean, Jason Benetti's good. I'd rather you know. Who, did, who was the? It was it was Manning with him. Is that who it was? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Okay, because I mean, I, I read that it was you know at the beginning of the year that Peacock was going to do Benetti with the home. Well, I thought it was with, with one of the team announcers or whatever, but but uh, I heard good reviews on the broadcast, and it, it, I looked over at one point, and Tito was getting in between innings, yes, being yes. interviewed on the field by someone, and yeah, and I will say this. I really dug that eleven thirty start time. Man. Really, wasn't <laughs> yeah. too early for you. How was the crowd? De- decent crowd. You know the crowd. It should have been bigger. It was only seventeen thousand, but the crowd was really into it. I was. I mean, it was a pretty loud crowd. I mean, I was. You know, it seemed there's something about this team. There's something special about this group. They're very likable. They seem to be really all playing together and has a good vibe around and good energy around it. And I think that that, you know, I think people are starting to notice, but, but yeah, the 1130 start time was just, what was so great about it was, you know, I, I walked into the stadium at 1125 or whatever it was, or 1130 and the game, I was done at two, the game was over at 215. Right. 
I took I took took Brooke to Mitchell's ice cream after the game, and then we were home before we were home by three. It was awesome. Took a nice nap when we got home. <laughs> there you yeah. go. I right, let It was. Re- I, I I liked that start time a lot. It was good. Let's talk to our buddy Mike Hattery. Mike, we appreciate you uh, coming on, my friend. How are you? Great, great. I'm I'm thrilled to talk about Craig Forth and Jerry McNamara today. Oh, jeez, what are you doing? I didn't know that. Are you Ouch, you're you're a, are you a Syracuse guy? Or you just or, Syracuse? Or are you just anti anti Kansas? <laughs> well, I mean, mostly anti Kansas, of course. <laughs> Oh my goodness! How about this baseball team? How dare, how, how dare, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> how, how about this baseball team, Mike? I, I I know that like us, and you know you you are the snark uh, the snark king on Twitter, but you, you, there's not a lot of negative that you could say right now how this team is playing, and certainly as we talked about before you came on, the schedule's been good and helpful, but the way they're playing, how they're playing, uh, this this young group starting to come together, isn't it? Yeah, it's a blast. You know, I think I think baseball was getting really frustrating in 2019, 2020, 2021, where they had these, like, I mean, less so in 21, but they had these talented rosters where you had a lot of expectations, but they were, like, it was just all pitching and no offense, and there just wasn't a lot of young talent. Like, we were watching a lot of, like, aging vets get their last opportunity to try and show that they could beat league average players, and it wasn't super fun. Um, and watching young players develop especially when they can be competitive and develop is a lot of fun. I think it's just so interesting that we went from, and man, I just talked about this in the last segment. We went from looking up and going, Oh my God, these outfielders who we have nobody, this is terrible. And now you're so loaded with guys that when from your race comes back, you're like, okay, now who's going to go? Palacios is probably going to have to be the guy that goes, but you know, he came up with that big pinch hit, uh, uh, RBI double, um, I think that was Thursday night, and you know he's shown that he obviously belongs up here. I, I, you know, all of a sudden it's like, what do they do with all these guys? What do you do with Will Brennan? What do you do with Nolan Jones? What, what do you think? Who do you think is going to emerge from this group that's currently either in AAA, AA, or I mean, not not Valera, obviously, but who do you think is going to emerge from that group and be the mainstays? And who do you think will be the best option to trade? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it's it's also wildly difficult, right? Like, I, I think everyone's in a rush. Like, every day we're like, oh, my gosh, wait till Arias gets here. Or, like, wait till Nolan Jones gets here. And right now I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm really not in a rush. Um, I mean, I think Quan stays locked into a corner. And I think Straw obviously stays locked into his spot. Um, though I could long-term see Quan platooning just a little bit with Straw against right-handed pitching. Um, and then playing other places. But, I mean, then that third outfield spot, like, how sustainable is Oscar Gonzalez, Jones? The one who I kind of think gets squeaked out, honestly, which is unfortunate, I love the profile, is Will Brennan. But there's just, like, enough, like, organizational torque that, like, two guys are probably not even going to get opportunities where we feel like we can really decide on them, right? Like, there's just so much upward momentum. And there's already enough talent in the big leagues right now that it really feels like a couple of folks are going to have to just sort of guess based on how they've evaluate, evaluated them in AAA and probably move them. I mean, I think the most movable asset, non-Valera, is probably Nolan Jones. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if he was healthy um, for a stretch if they moved him. Um, just because I think maybe he fits better at third anyway. So, um 
and they're just crowded. It's it's a tough it's a tough time. You think you think that Jones still has good trade value? I mean, he it's not like he's been that great. I mean, all we hear about is oh, he's been a top one hundred prospect for X amount of years. He's never really been that great, and according to the numbers, at least that's what I see. No, I totally agree. I think that's a great criticism. I I think too. I mean, I think he's really interesting because he has that really high walk rate. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a bat first prospect, right? Um, and they have other other guys who can defend actual positions and not be bat first prospects who have put up as good or better offensive numbers. Um, those guys with those really extreme like um, he's <laughs> those really extreme like take profiles where they just are always in deep counts and they strike out a ton and walk a ton are just like not my favorite to bet on. So I I kind of would move him. But to your point, like you know, I think Brennan and Jones are really interesting prospects and could be really solid like big league starters. But to your point, like they don't have a ton of like cash or asset value. I'll be honest, I didn't even know Will Brennan was he was not on my radar at all. Can you talk about him a little bit for the people that don't know about him? Yeah, I think he's sort of in that like I think like he's he's sort of in that Quan mold with like a few key differences, like a tick more power. He swings and misses a little more often. Like he still runs elite strikeout rates, so he's still like he puts the ball in play a ton. Um but he's not he's not quite at that level of like he puts the ball in play all the time and will show you like like Quan having basically no power but running like a better walk rate than strikeout rate is just not going to happen with Will Brennan. I think he'll still have an above average like strikeout rate and he'll have some contact authority and really solid player. But he's probably like the most similar. So maybe he hits a few more home runs and he strikes out a little just a little bit more often. But he's never going to give you a like more than average power and probably less than so just like very similar player i don't i don't really know much about him as as a defender though i think i think it's a key question to ask and i just don't have a great feel mike hattery with us here on the dairy brothers guardians cast uh guardians and rockies coming up this week tuesday wednesday thursday and then the dodgers in la over the weekend so we're going to find out a little bit about this baseball team you tweeted in november mike that hey, it's time for Stephen kwan to get a chance uh you had a good feel for it and here he is getting that chance and boy he's been you know after a rough may he's kind of bouncing back a little bit what did you what did you see that uh, led you to that and is this surprising to you uh, the success he's having no and i think i think too like i think it's i'm kind of happy we had a little bit of a cold streak i think the expectations got absurd and i don't think i would ever say like i thought he was going to be a star but the profile was just so strong. I mean, like I said, like he was running historically low swinging strike rates. He's had remarkable discipline. And then last year, um, which is actually one of the things we haven't seen a ton so far is like last year, he was finally adding not like impact power, but like more power. He was driving the baseball more. He was pulling the baseball more with authority. And, and maybe that still comes, but I think, you know, like right now, like we're seeing sort of like the platonic ideal of him, which is like, he's not a star, but, you know, he's like a two to three war player who just gets on base constantly um, and puts the ball in play constantly and puts pressure on defense. And this team just so desperately needed to have seven or eight decent hitters in a lineup <laughs> instead of like three. Like yeah. the last few years, we were like, once we got to five in the lineup, we were like, it's over. Like I have to watch like two innings or like I know we're not going to do anything offensively. He's just like, he's just one more person you can plug in and play. And he helps you offensively. 
I know anytime the lineup comes out, especially against the lefty, and we'll see uh, uh, Gomber from the Rockies later in the week, and even yesterday, Irvin for the A's, and the lineup does not have Andres Jimenez in it, and you, like us, uh, uh, hate that with a passion, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, I do. I'm curious what you, you all think about this. The, the one defense that I've been able to come up with in my mind when I'm trying to counter myself is, like, I remember watching him last year when he was in that just massive funk that resulted in him getting sent to AAA, and it looked like, you know, like any confidence or joy had been sucked from his soul. And I do I do wonder if, like, Francona is just really trying to put him in only six situations where he feels really confident and, like, trying to build up Jimenez's confidence offensively. But, like, he's just hitting way too well to do that at this point, I think. Well, yeah, I mean... That's, you know, all, that's all. I completely agree with you. And Matt and I drives us insane when you look up and all of a sudden... A guy who is arguably next to Jose Ramirez has been your your hottest and best hitter. Not only is he bad, uh, uh, not playing the position he should be playing, but batting seventh, which also is, is <laughs> insanity to me. I, and, and I, you know, Tito's explanation has been he like he likes him at the bottom of the order there because it's almost like giving him another lengthening the lineup and giving him another run producer. I, I suppose I understand that, but I, I don't know. I'm not crazy about it. And I also have another theory about why Andres is playing so much second base, which is right now when Oscar Gonzalez took over right field and now all of a sudden you're playing him every day, the Ahmed and the outfield experiment can't happen because you're wasting a spot there by not playing one of these kid outfielders, whether it's Quan or Palacios or Oscar Gonzalez. So Ahmed almost has to play shortstop unless you DH him, which I would prefer him be the DH, but I don't know. So you, just, you, you and me both. That's not just you. Him at, him at shortstop drives me nuts. I think it's a great theory. I I really I mean I think there's there's either that or I is like a, is Rosario like really important to this like the clubhouse like privately. That's what it sounds like. With Rosario yeah. is like they do so much to make him comfortable, and like like Francona knows like he's like not within ten percent of Jimenez as a defeat as a defender. So it's just, it is really wild. I feel like he feels like he's like essential to making and keeping Ahmed Rosario happy, which when he's like your eighth best position player, it's like, it's just kind of humorous. Well, I mean, that's the thing is like uh, Ahmed, his bat, does his bat have to be in the lineup? You could make that argument based on, he is a pretty good, he is a pretty decent hitter. I don't, I've never loved him either, Mike. And, and, and to me, when we get to the deadline, if this bullpen continues to, I mean, you know, like right now Trevor Steffen can't get anybody out. Sandlin's all over the place. I mean, we love Brian Shaw as a guy and a leader for the young guys, but my gosh, he can't pitch in a big game. Mike loves Brian Shaw. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, no one loves him more. So, you know, I mean, Ahmed to me would be the guy you trade to get that power armor the back of the pen at the deadline if this team's going to go for it, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated with what they do with him and what they do at short i mean they just have to start basically picking winners of who gets opportunities and i think the presumption is it's going to be like the arias jimenez like is going to get the first look and and that's fine i'm like a bit of an arias skeptic but the rosario deal i'm his valuation's really tough to me because like i'm good with moving him but other than what maybe the angels it's really hard to go find a contender where like ahmed rosario isn't like just a really nice bench piece for them it's a good point. I mean, and where where would he play? You'd have to have some team that gets somebody up the middle, shortstop. I don't, I don't know if somebody would want to play him at second base injured. But uh, Mike Hattery with us. Uh, 
knows uh, this organization inside and out. What about on the pitching side, Mike? What has stood out for you? I know a guy like Pilkington is is you know taking the spot of Savali. Uh, the police sack argument you can make about what you're going to do with him and Savali too before the injury. But how do you view this staff right now? Yeah, no, I mean, not optimistically, I guess. Uh, no, somewhat. I, I still, I will always take it without out with Savali. I think like he's, I think he's successful because he's really bright, not because of his stuff. Um, and I think in the past they found really good mixes of how to like use his stuff to pitch. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that's one of the tough things, right? We're so used to having like a pitcher knocking on the door. Um, and maybe if Espino hadn't gotten hurt, he would be knocking on the door, um, or Cody Morris. Um, but that like organizational depth, you know, the guys they acquired this off season have sort of struggled, like Tobias Myers and Peyton Battenfield. So you're like, I mean, at this point, like you kind of just have to hope please that gets it right in the near future. Um, and, you know, Pilkington will get a lot of starts this year, and I think he's definitely interesting, but interesting as, like, a rich man's TJ House or something. Oh, stop. Um, <laughs> oh, jeez. No, you know, he is, he does, he, 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 I think you're kind of right, and there's a little bit of the one good year of Cody Anderson look to him. You know, Cody Anderson was, <laughs> if you remember, he was, NL, he was AL Pitcher of the Month in September, and I can't remember what year it was, and I said all off season. Now's the time to get rid of him. This is not sustainable. He has value now because he pitched well. Now's the time to dump him. And they brought him back the next year, and he was awful. And he never, he was never good again. But I, you know, Pilkington, I think, blows harder than Cody Anderson did not throw hard. And there's that. But but then you're looking, Mike, at the next wave that Akron rotation right now between Hunter Gaddis and Gavin Williams and Joey Cantillo, Xavier uh, uh, Curry. Um, they, they're they're loaded at that, at that level, like basically one more year of development away. Who of those guys is the most intriguing to you? Yeah, no, this is like this is really interesting to me. I always like get, I always like kind of weirdly fall in love with Savali types, right? Like dudes who throw like three or four pitches, and not because they'll be the best, because we I think we have a good feel that like the highest probability ceilings are Gavin Williams and Spino, but. Um, like dudes like Hunter Gaddis are always really fascinating to me because I think this is an organization where like they just they don't their big wins I mean Bieber's a big win and stuff but some of their biggest wins are just turning like you know like fringy rotation arm into like oh he's a really good three starter for six years um, and Hunter Gaddis kind of like has that smell to me um, so I mean I think like in that second tier behind Espino and Williams who are just like have off the earth stuff Gaddis would probably be my favorite. Oh, I, I, I was a little concerned. Oh, go ahead, Matt. No, I was going to say I was telling Todd a couple weeks ago about Gavin Williams and just. I mean, it's not a secret, but it's like sometimes check out some of the highlights or just uh, hit YouTube or, or or read up, and it's like you're right. I mean, his he was it wasn't fair that he was at high A this year. You know, <laughs> like hitters had no chance against a guy like that, and he's a first round pick for a reason. You know, but again, the question is when. And how you know they, they they want to take their time with some of these guys, right? Yeah, I think it's I, a buddy of mine, Gage, who I know you both know. But one of the really fascinating paradoxes to me is just like you know how how risky arms are and how how fast they sort of get close to the big leagues. But you're just like you're really worried about you know like you string these guys along to like and don't bring them up until 23 and 24, and with like arm volatility. I'm actually kind of a fan of being a little bit aggressive if a guy is just, like, utterly dominant. And obviously Williams hasn't reached that threshold, but 
if if Espino had stayed healthy, I probably would have been really aggressive with him this year, and maybe just done like some early Danny Salazar, give him some three inning stints in the big leagues in the back end, and like he solves your back end problem while you're contending, and you stretch him back out next year. Um, but unfortunately, he's been digged up. But I think it's really exciting. I mean, I think everything's coming together so that expectations should be really high for next year. And, and maybe you trade some assets to make it that our expectations are high for this year, too. You wonder if the, yeah. if this team gets in a, in a spot where um, they would want to make a deal for, for a starting pitcher and go for it. You know, like, I mean, the Reds are going to trade Luis Castillo. The A's are going to trade Montas. It's just a matter of what the hall would be back, and and I know how how guarded, no pun intended, this front office is in terms of rumors getting out there about guys and who they actually want to get rid of. Because, like we said, we're, the system is loaded right now. Yeah, don't you wonder? One of the things like that's interesting to me is like, is this the first time they might be as much players in the one year expiring as they are in the like? You know, classically, we're always like, oh, they're going for guys with long-term control. Um, but they have, you know, supposedly more financial fl- flexibility than they've had for the last, like, three years. That was hinted at all offseason. And then besides the Jose extension, which didn't raise their overall number for this year a ton, um, you know, like, do they just, like, buy a, a you know, sort of, like, 50 innings of a starting pitcher that's, you know, average and then, not really worry about where he goes in the offseason because they have so much depth coming up. And um, they also have to, they also are so tight on 40 man spots and they're going to have to add more guys. You know, like all of a sudden, Cant- Joey Cantino has been so good at Akron. You can't leave him exposed. They were worried about losing him this year. They'll definitely lose him next year if, if they leave him exposed. And, you know, I think Bo Naylor's another guy has to be added this year if memory serves correct. And, you know, there, there's going to be a tightening of. I mean, they're going to have to deal somebody. Someone's going to have to go. It's just there's just not spots for everybody. No, it's true, man. I love Bo Naylor. Like his breakout this year. That that is like probably the most exciting thing to me happening in the system this year. But that's something else. But yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think you know you have to pick. You have to pick like among. I think you're you're picking among Freeman, Rokio. And Arias, like one of them has to get to mo- get moved. You can't spend that many 40 man spots on shortstop prospects and middle infield prospects when Andres Jimenez is 23 and a stud. You can't do it. You can't trade. That's why they're playing it. Then maybe that's why they're playing Jimenez at second base because they're trying <laughs> to figure it out. I'm not even doing yeah. it. Mean, yeah. That could be it. That could be it. I don't know. I, I'm a I'm a Gabe Arias fan, but I mean, Rokio, Rokio to me looks like the real deal. You know, he swings like the. Uh, Redacted X shortstop. He's got the same swing. <laughs> he does. It's like it's like a mirror image. It's crazy. Hopefully, he's a little more likable at twenty nine. Oh, jeez. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that that. I mean, he's on the best team in the National League, and and they're rolling and everything. But I mean, you know, his his former BFF is a much better player, and uh, we just talked about Jose Ramirez. Is, I mean, is he the best player in the game, Mike? We we both we both think. I mean. Outside of Vladimir Guerrero, I don't think Mike Trout is anymore. And I know Aaron Judge gets a lot of love, but would you say, could you make the argument for Jose to be the best player in the game right now? Oh, it's easy. And I, I think it's going to get easier as the season goes on, especially when you look at like Jose against, you know, I know like Aaron Judge is really hot right now. And just, I mean, it's really cool and cute that he's like actually been in Jose's tier for a couple of months, but like that hasn't really <laughs> happened for the last five years. And like a big part of it is he's also generally not playing 150 games. So, 
I mean, look, if if Aaron Judge is you know plays a 160 game season, maybe he's in the same tier, um, and we can fight about it. But you know, beyond like all the stuff that Jose does perfectly, being the smartest base runner I've ever seen for a stocky guy who's a 50th percentile sprint speed guy, and like beyond all that and his insane offense, he just like he's been crazy durable. <laughs> um, he doesn't take days off. He's always there and he's always adding value. And like a lot of the people on that list, like Trout's not on the field enough anymore, like you said, to be in that argument. Mike, we enjoyed it, man. Thanks for uh, for coming on uh, this morning with us here on the uh, Guardians cast. We'll do it again. All right. Thanks for having me. Mike Hattery from EveryoneHatesCleveland.com and also Fangraphs, and he's been everywhere, knows the, the system inside and out. Great insight, Todd, from Mike. Uh, the snarky hat man, as he's known on Twitter, and uh, he he thinks a lot like we do with some of these kids and Jimenez and everything else, but uh, it's fun to uh, chat with him. He, he's got all the uh, He's got all the lingo down. See, you and I are not we, – we, we follow analytics, obviously, but we don't know – the profiles the way Mike does, you know, he, he, he's really knowledgeable and deep and I love reading his stuff and it's a great guest, great insight. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And, uh, now let's talk about the king of pitching matchups. What do we got going the rest of this week? Well, we got two Shane Bieber starts. That's always good. If you're a fantasy owner, if you're a fantasy owner of the uh, guardians ace, uh, he's pitching tomorrow day off today. And then uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in Colorado, uh, will the dude be in attendance? Will Will he leave the apartment? That is a big question. Two one six five seven eight double zero ninety two. Um, Tuesday night in Colorado, the Rockies are in last place. They um, actually, I think they took two out of three from the Padres this weekend. I mean, they're they aren't they're terrible. I've seen no, worse teams. It's always hard when you've not played in that altitude, and our pitchers. You know, have to get used to it, and you know we'll we'll, we'll see. It's been I went the last time uh, the Cleveland baseball team played in in Denver. I went with the dude, and uh, I saw two losses actually. And the irony is, same starting pitcher Tuesday is the same starting pitcher uh, that I saw in one of those two losses. Uh, Antonio, right? Isn't uh, Senzatella? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, saw him, I saw. I saw. I can't believe he's still there. To be honest, he wasn't good then. He's, still he's only he's only twenty seven or twenty eight, I think. But um, yeah, Sanzatella against Bieber on Tuesday at the Humidor out there in Denver. Uh, one of my neighbors in Denver. <laughs> 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 oh man, <laughs> that's a great uh, George George Takei. George. Uh, Connor Pilkington on Wednesday night against Austin Gomber. That's a, a lefty with an ERA a hefty uh, six ERA. And then Thursday afternoon, Tristan McKenzie against Chad Cool. Tristan's pitching very well. The only issue is anytime he gives up a run, it's a home run. You know? The long ball, yeah, he, a little, he's, he's been a little susceptible to it lately. It's, it, it's strange. But the other thing is he's, like, not putting – he's either getting everyone out. He There was the one start where it was against the unnamed team, I believe, where he walked – I think he walked like four guys and he only gave up two hits, but both of them were home runs, right? Wasn't that? That was Baltimore. Detroit? Baltimore. Oh, it was Baltimore. That's yeah. what it was. It was Baltimore. And it was one of those garbage uh, lower level ALDs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the unnamed team. They're, they're, they're hey, f- any, any more Miggy tributes? I mean, my gosh, they've done 50 of them. I mean, we get it. 3,000 hits, 500 homers. You know what we didn't talk about? 
the fire Tony chance at the genius this week. My gosh. How about that? It's a shame. It's a real shame. Tony LaRusa is he's he's struggling with that bullpen. That's like uh Richard Christie after a Chiefs loss. It's a it's ugly. I mean, just just brutal. That's that's a real that is a real shame. I don't think they're gonna fire him. No way. He's Jerry Reinsdorf's boy. But that's what I was going to say. There's no way Reinsdorf will fire him. No chance. Now he'll ride it out through the end of the year, and then he'll re-retire if he's going to leave. That's what's going to happen. I think I will um, retire. I will. Say, I'll, and let me just say this, and I want to say this right now on June 13th: the Angels have an opening, and the White Sox after this year might have an opening. Just watch AJ Hinch. Just watch. Can you think I, he's going to bolt? Can opt out. After this year, oh, he has an opt out in his yes. contract. Oh wow! And, th- and remember, he's a Stanford guy, California Angels. Who would you know? Trout, Otani, and an owner that spends like crazy. And then the White Sox roster—if they can get—if they can get right and get healthy, they're—they're going to be—they're going to be good. They're not bad. I mean, they're playing poorly, but they're loaded. They got some young players. I mean, easy to watch him move to, into the inner division. That would be good stuff. Well, I'm just saying, just throwing it out there. I'm not. I'm not predicting anything. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, all right. So that's the uh, Thursday series, uh, the first series, and then the team goes from Colorado to L.A. to play the Dodgers. Dodgers just got swept this weekend by the Giants, uh, and they're only a half game up on the Padres now, but still have the second best record in the National League. Friday night, this could get ugly. Zach Plesac against Walker Bueller. No, Walker Bueller's on the injured list. No, oh, did he just get hurt? Yeah. That's got to be uh, unless he's he was just put on this week. Well then, so, okay. Well, if that's the I case, saw Kershaw for Friday. I saw Kershaw. Kershaw. So Kershaw, all right. Kershaw Friday. Um, Tony Gonsolin was one. No, no, no. Gonsolin's pitching. Gonsolin pitches. Wait, who pitches? No, yeah. Gonsolin would pitch Sunday. Okay, so Kershaw Friday against Plesac. Julio Urias on Saturday against Cal yes. Quantrill. And then Tony Gonsolin on Sunday against uh, Shane against Bieber. Bieber. That's my that's got, my bad there. And you have Friday night is the Apple Plus game. I can't so, I can't keep up with all this crap. I, I really can't. I mean, well, it's my girl Katie and the executive producer also big fan of Katie Nolan. She is part of that broadcast. And then uh, Saturday's game is a Fox national game. You guys are Katie Nolan fans, of course. You don't like you. You don't. I don't like think. I don't think she's funny. Don't like Carissa I don't think she's What's funny. <clears throat> I don't think she's funny. If you don't like Mina Kimes, also, then we're really. Mina Kimes is very talented and knows that the old, knows the NFL inside and out. I'm, I like what, her. What, what about Annie Ager? <laughs> <laughs> Michigan Zone. Yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I, was, I was joking. So not funny. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Annie Agar. Yeah, yeah. The, the, those videos. That was that was that was fresh two years ago. I'm, I'm I've, I've I've seen enough of the NFL recap videos with the jerseys or whatever. I mean, it's played out. You know, I don't. I just never thought Katie Nolan was funny. I'm not saying she's oh, not. I think she's great. I think she's great. Really big fan. Oh yeah. yeah I mean, ESPN had no. They had no clue how to use her. I know it's too bad, but she's doing this. I heard her. She was on. Was she on with Trina, or was she on with? She was on some podcast. It was either with yeah. Trainer she was on with, with Jimmy Trainer. Yeah. Yeah. And they were talking about. She was very good, and she was talking about being a part of this baseball broadcast. And uh, yeah, so you'll, you'll you'll be able to catch her on Friday night on Apple Plus. So what about what about Train of Thoughts with Sal Licata? 
Sal's got to go. Oh no, no, that's that's yes, a, oh come on. I love Jimmy, but Sal's got to go. Wait, real quick, does this Apple Plus mean that the game will not be televised locally? Yeah, it's exclusive. It's I believe. National exclusive. I believe okay. so. Yeah. So, so the boys get a night off in Los Angeles, a Friday night off. In Los oh, Angeles. look out for Andre. Andre. Good for Andre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks to uh, Mike Hattery for joining us. Thanks for the Center for Advanced Dentistry. Go to BreakingTea.com slash dairy. You guys know all the shirts they have there. And, and get your gear uh, at BreakingTea.com slash dairy. We are out of room and out of here. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.